Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's show. Before we get to our interview today, I would like to just remind you that we have the International Sacred Sexual Music Festival happening virtually live stream this year, April 16th, 17th, and 18th. I am going to be celebrating my birthday on the 17th of this Sacred Sexual Music Festival. We have over 20 plus sexuality experts, teachers, demonstrators, healing practitioners, and musicians that we we all can learn from and reflect on a new way to honor our life force energy. So the speakers, the dancers, the musicians from all around the world are really going to get us in touch with the essence of our sexuality. We're going to learn how to live with a new, more sacred sexual energy in times of the Me Too movement and the Harvey Weinstein era. We're going to learn about what different spiritual traditions teach about sexuality, how we can shift our culture to remember when our bodies were seen and known as sacred, why we live in a sex-phobic culture and how to step into a new attitude. We're also going to learn about our sexual life from the recent pandemic and social justice crisis. And we're also going to learn about the greater cosmological, planetary, and evolutionary cycles we are a part of. This is really going to be an amazing virtual festival. I do hope that you will join us. We have tickets for sale now. The link is in the show notes, but you can go to sacredsexualmusicfestival.com. All right, let's get to our guest today. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 podcast today. I know that I am introducing you to a bunch of new people because Path 11 Productions is bringing the Sacred Sexual Music Festival to the world this year. We are going to be helping them hold their virtual conference, and I am gathering all of the presenters who have been phenomenal so far, and I love that we're talking about new topics on the podcast with uh, sexuality and spirituality, and we have another one of those presenters on our show today. I'd like to welcome Corinne Underwood. She is the founder of Choices for Sexual Health. She is a certified sex relationship and intimacy coach, somatic trauma therapist, apprentice, consent practitioner, and sexual health educator. She works with clients to repair and strengthen the relationship with themselves and others by supporting them to heal trauma, love themselves shamelessly, embody pleasure, deepen intimacy, and utilize sexual energy to live fulfilling lives. Her work involves individual and couples coaching, therapy education and workshops, providing youngsters, teens and teachers with comprehensive sex education and mentorship, and supporting parents to create body positive, sexual healthy homes. And she is located in Canada, most of our presenters, and this is where the Sacred Sexual Music Festival is usually held, um, is in Canada. So big shout out to all of our Canadian listeners. I know you're out there because I see our stats um, every week. So I'm so excited that I'm bringing your people to you and uh, these people from Canada to the rest of the world on the Path Loving Podcast. So Corinne, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So give me a little more of your background. I mean, how does one choose to, you know, go into, uh, you know, being this type of coach that's working with sexual health and intimacy? So tell me a little bit about your journey. 
Well, my journey started really when I was 10. It was my dream to change the world, sexually speaking, at a very young age. And it was because I felt really unsupported uh, in my my development um, and changes that were happening in my body. So I went through puberty quite early for the time. I was almost nine and uh, it was different than the rest of my peers. And I received a lot of um, uh, body shaming and bullying. And when I started menstruating, I actually didn't know what it was. I thought I was literally, there was trauma inside my body. So I wanted to learn more. I wanted to uh, find out more about what's happening inside of me, how our bodies changing in general, how can we come together in community and really support one another. And at that time, there wasn't the internet. So I spent endless hours as a youth with my headphones on listening to some amazing sex educators to try and really learn um, as much as I could. And But I struggled a lot as a teen. I, I had an eating disorder as a means to sort of morph my body into a prepubescent state. So I wasn't, uh, you know, sort of being noticed as much. Um, and through that, those struggles, though, I really got to become uh, in tune with what was happening on the inside and, and the voice that I wanted to have when I physically got healthy. So years later, uh, my journey took me overseas to Nepal, where I started a women's collective. And it was predominantly the focus was on menstrual health and wellness. Uh, as we know, there's so many parts of the world that the, uh, menstruation and periods aren't embraced and women are shunned from their homes to really be alone in their journey. And so my my intention when I was there to really bring again together community, to educate, to make reusable products. So that was sort of the spearheading of my, of my journey more into helping others with sexual health. And then it, I got super curious. So I studied Tantra and all different types of sort of alternative lifestyles when I was overseas. But it wasn't truly until I was pregnant with my daughter uh, at 38 that I felt completely in tune and alive with my body. And when she was born, I realized that I needed to do something different with my life and go back to what really meant the most to me. And that was helping others. And not only did I want to do this on behalf of her and all the young people that are are growing and developing this world to create a better place for them and to feel comfortable in their bodies. But I wanted to also really help adults to come home to really what they truly are and embrace pleasure and to heal. So that's what started my journey on, on certifications and, and really creating my business. So here I am today. Wow, wonderful. And, you know, going back to when you were younger, it sounded like the fact that you didn't know what was happening, you thought you had internal trauma, when you began menstruating, how do we begin to teach adults, you know, how to talk to their children, not just moms, you know, sometimes I feel like that's a mother to daughter conversation. But how do we get fathers uh, more comfortable with it, even though they don't, they may not understand it, they've never experienced, you know, a menstrual cycle before. But you know, with the fact that you're trying to bring body body positive into um, sexually healthy homes, I'm sure that you're also doing a lot of education with adults on how to um, embrace this subject and begin to talk about it. Because 
you know, I, all of my friends have children. I, I don't have children. Um, I usually say like path 11 is my baby. <laughs> my work has been um, more of the birthing and what I've done in this world. But I do find that, you know, my friends have even said like, ah, oh, God, when's the right time to talk about that? And, you know, I have one friend that's like really sexually out there with her children. We'll talk about masturbation. And then I have some friends that are a little more conservative about that. They don't really broach that or talk about it. So how, how do you help parents kind of pass down more of an open language and conversation to be able to have with their children? Well, that's a great question. And that's a big part of the work that I do. And first and foremost, it's really looking at our own conditioning and, you know, what we bring uh, to that and how, how that sort of morphs our conversations with our kids. Um, but in addition to that, it's uh, really being clear on what our values are and the values that we want to make sure that we're integrating in our conversations with our kids. Um, and most importantly, letting go of the talk, the, you know, the one time talk doesn't do anybody any service. It's just embarrassing. It doesn't provide proper education for kids. And what I teach uh, parents is that to become what I call an askable adult, it's their go-to mentor for kids. And what it does is it starts with every everyday conversations and integrating experiences with kids that are relevant over time. And um, I'm often asked, when is the right time to start the conversation? And it's now. It's it's from the time they were born, when we're washing them uh, in the bathtub and using proper names for body parts. It's as they're growing and exploring the world and using their hands, which is very much in alignment with what I'll be presenting at the Sacred Sexual Music Music Festival, waking up the hands. It's actually coming back to our roots of being a child. And 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 really having lots of things around the house, such as books and um, visuals that kids can actually learn and grow and adapt from. And then we can weave in those conversations with you know, what they're listening to in music, what they're watching on TikTok and YouTube and, and Snapchat and all the communication that they have as friends as they grow through the stages and really reducing the shame. I, shame is, as we know, it, the biggest killer of self-esteem, sexuality, our, our whole identity for life. So it's, it's these consistent, uh, uh, continuous uh, conversations and sharing over time throughout the stages of development uh, with material that is age appropriate. Great. And what, what do you think, or why, why do you think it's hard for adults to have this conversation? Um, you know, I'm kind of hoping, hoping that the listeners, they're kind of doing a little bit of self inventory during our talk. So do you think it could either be connected to um, shame that they that they learned from their parents or that it just wasn't discussed? Uh, could it be tied to s sexual traumas either early on in their own lifetime or what have you found um, is really kind of some of the main reasons why parents aren't having these conversations sooner and how do you get them to begin to heal themselves in order to feel comfortable to talk about this? Yeah, well, definitely, I think all of the above, right? We we bring so much of that dynamic, uh, the shame, this sort of um, division of sort of gender of that, you know, this is the role of the mom or this is the role of their dad and we need to have separate conversations. Um, also, you know, experiences around comfort levels with our bodies in general and embracing who we are 
holistically, which includes our, our sexual health and well-being. And there's also a huge fear component on behalf of parents that can we say too much? If we if we bring in this information at an early stage of children's development, does that mean that they're going to be more sexual sooner. And in fact, the education out there and all the research points to that if we surround our kids in body positive, healthy sex information that's age appropriate and comprehensive, in fact, they will delay uh, sexual activities to a, a later stage in life because they're they're making decisions that are more in alignment with who they are and their level of confidence. Hmm. So you keep mentioning the word age appropriate. Let's talk about that. Okay. Um, what would you define as age appropriate, maybe through the stages? Because maybe, you know, I'm thinking maybe porn is not age appropriate. Like, okay, I'm going to sit my, my son or daughter down and I'm going to show them what pornography is just so they know what it is and they don't have to sneak behind my back. Is that considered to be age appropriate at any point? But elaborate a little bit more on age appropriate. Sure, indeed, and I will, I'll address definitely the porn specifically in a minute. So we know that kids will only retain a certain amount of information at a time, and it's very much related to their stage of development, right? What 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 they're they're able to, and it's kind of like I, I put it back to math equations. So we're not going to teach kids calculus in grade three, right? Because they're just they they don't they haven't developed to that stage yet. Um, Age-appropriate examples would be, so when kids are sort of in that kindergarten to grade one, it's really about uh, proper names for body parts, which I mean the science, the body science names, um, as well as the differences between healthy touch and unhealthy touch. And really encouraging kids, not only from that very young age, but as they develop uh, this idea of the connection to a sensory experience. And what I mean by that is getting away from this, um, okay, well, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm happy, that's great to identify those emotions, but how they're making us feel on the inside, does that cause tension? Does that cause tingling? Because when we can actually help encourage kids to identify that sensation, we're also promoting um, the, the growth of intuition, which is a very essential tool as we're navigating through boundaries and consent as we grow older into adults. Um, and then as we move along, uh, you know, really to sort of grade three and four, that's a time that we want to be introducing puberty and body changes. And a general rule of thumb that I say to parents is that we want to be incorporating the learning about two years before the stage actually happens. So we know for girls, generally, they'll go through puberty between the ages of 8 and 14. And for boys, it's about 9 to 16. So we want to start that two years before that actual stage. So we'd start that conversation around 6 and, you know, five, six and 7. Um, pornography, 1 in 5 kids have seen porn before the age of 8. So, oh my gosh, wow. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we, we want to be having a pornography talk. And it can be language such as, when we're on the internet or when we're using our phones, 
we could click on a link that we're wanting to watch a dog show or something that's a cartoon and and we can see an image that can pop up that we didn't intend to see and and if we see that i want you to come and let me know and you know that's sort of early stages right and and as they are in grade four and five we do want to talk about porn we want to say there there is something called pornography and pornography are is a showing of sexual acts you know, on the media, on the internet. And, um, and I, I, I veer away from this. So kind of putting things in a box of this is wrong and this is right, but talking more about, you know, some pornography does, isn't consensual and some pornography doesn't show healthy relationships. I'm not going to say all because we know there's difference in pornography, but we're, we're giving kids an, uh, you know, basically an overview of this is what's out there. And, and I'm going to support you to help to identify what healthy relationships are, what consent and boundaries are. And, and, you know, the, I think the fear is with parents is that I don't want to have this conversation because, I don't want to open the door to that. The fact of the matter is they're going to find it anyway. They're going to land on it inadvertently, or they're going to have a buddy that shows them. I just received a call from a principal at a school that was very concerned about a boys in a grade four class that were on their phones in the in the schoolyard that were watching porn and 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 then it created this group group involvement of, of more kids watching porn there was a lot of uh, upset over it there was some name calling there was some classification that was happening and she just really wanted my input on how to deal with that and so uh, it takes community it takes not only um, supporting parents with these conversations that let, let, let's put it on the table. Let's not put it on the shelf and say, I don't want to deal with it. Let's put it on the table and say, this is part of growth and reality and, and, and giving them the support and tools to deal with it, not only as parents, but as educators and community support workers and counselors so that we're all there together creating a positive environment for our kids. Yeah. Well, and I, I guarantee there are going to be so many uh, parents out there that just heard what you said, and they're going to rewind this podcast and write it down because you have the wording, you know, I mean, just even the way that you describe what pornography is and say it in such an eloquent way way to describe it at a very basic level for children to be able to understand was like beautifully put. So I'm sure a lot of people are going to be doing that with this podcast. Um, Yeah, really, really interesting. And so what would you say to people who are listening right now and their child's like 16, 17, and they're like, holy crap, I've never had this conversation yet with my child. We don't talk about it. We are in a household where I'm sure Corinne's right. I'm sure my child, male or female, probably has been exposed to things or, you know, has seen things on their phone that even if I do these parental locks, they're still going to, you know, figure it out. And we don't talk about sex. Where would you start with somebody that's starting with a child where this hasn't been a part of the family culture and it is a little taboo and they're feeling awkward? Like, how do I bring this up? Because we don't really have that relationship. How do you start with somebody that's like 16 years behind? Um, Being vulnerable. And what I mean by that as a parent of of saying, you know what, I recognize we haven't talked about this. Uh, I, you know, probably we should have started these conversations earlier, but I didn't. And I'm I'm going to try and work through this, but I need your help 
to work through it. How can I support you? How can I learn more about your world? How can I get you know here to, to be someone that you feel comfortable coming to? And I recognize that you have a lot of other support systems out there, but I want to get up to speed too because I care about you. I value who you are as a person. I value your agency. And that's a big word that I'd like to use is sexual agency that uh, our kids are different than we are, right? We're, you know, just because we had an experience as an, as an adult doesn't mean they're going to have the same experience or think the same way. But if we can become relevant to our kids, and, and what I mean by that is saying that, you know, when I was growing up, and I had this conversation with my daughter, she's 11, right? But we've had it many times before. And I'll say, when I was growing up, we didn't talk about these things. When I got my period, I thought I was dying. I didn't know what it was. And and I'm not going to have all the answers for you. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to mess up. Some things I'm going to be uncomfortable with, but I'm willing and I need your help to convert in this together. And if you don't feel comfortable talking to me, then I want to support you to get the information and the support that you need. And it really just comes down to that because we're not perfect. We're human. And it, sex is messy, <laughs> whether or not we're having sex as an adult or we're dealing with it um, with supporting our kids. It's messy. And we got to be willing to roll up our sleeves and be vulnerable and but be in for the long term. This isn't a one shot deal. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Like you said, calling it the talk, right? It shouldn't just be a talk, one talk, and then, okay, whew, got that out of the way. This should just be a part of, you know, the conversation as a part of the culture of the family. Um, I'm sure there probably is a podcast out there, but if there isn't, then I think that you should run it. But wouldn't it be cool to have um, like a podcast for teenagers or children where they could actually go on and listen to some of this stuff, where even if they you know, don't feel comfortable talking to their mother or their father, it can kind of be, okay, well, I'm going to listen to this podcast. And it's all about like sexuality for kids and consent, like you were saying, you know, consent's really big to teach early on. And I love what you say about the intuition. Um, I used to work uh, one of my first jobs after I got my bachelor's degree in psychology, I became um, a rape crisis counselor. So, you know, I worked in the field for a long time before I went back to grad school. And I was one of those sex educators that would go into the elementary school school, you know, and talk about, you know, we called it back then good touch, bad touch. But one of the biggest things, you know, when I was going into kindergarten level was how does it make your belly feel? You know, are you scared? Are you feeling, you know, uncomfortable? Because, you know, the other really confusing thing sometime, and that was primarily dealing with uh, survivors of sexual abuse and incest, is that sexual touch doesn't necessarily always hurt. It's not this forcible rape. It's not this, um, you know, touch that is like, ouch, or that doesn't feel good. But intuitively, something could feel a little off, Um you know, and I've worked with a lot of survivors and sometimes they don't really realize that something is wrong per se or off until they become the age where they're pre-adolescent and they go over to, um, you know, their friend's house and their father or mother aren't coming in to touch them, you know, at nighttime. It's like, oh, wait, what, this is different. Uh, this is, you know, and I've had a couple of, um, you know, my clients actually say that, that they didn't realize that what was going on in their house was um, you know, not supposed to be going on until they actually saw other families role modeling stuff that looked very different at nighttime. So, um, so yeah. So what was my point to that? Oh, going into the, into, and, uh, 
asking the children to trust their intuition and to educate them. And we would sometimes have parents when they knew that I was coming, they would specifically pull their kids out because they didn't feel like they wanted a stranger having that talk with their child. Um, and we would get so many disclosures. The unfortunate thing about that is once you began to educate children, I would always have like one to two disclosures every presentation that I was giving, Uh, not just from kindergarten, but I would go all the way up to seniors, you know? So it was like, it was constantly fielding people coming out and breaking the silence about their sexual abuse. Great work that you've been doing, right? It's such important work. And same here. I mean, when we, when I go into the schools, parents have the option to opt, have their opt their kids out from those sessions. I'm finding though that very few do now. In the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, when I first started this work, there there definitely was approximately about 10% of of parents that would opt to have their kids not part of the sessions. But now it's it's actually the majority are, are there, maybe the, the odd one or two uh, kids for the most part. But so that's a great sign <laughs> to see. And I love the I love the fact about the idea of the podcast. It's actually something that I've been thinking of for a long time. So uh, and, you know, the thing is, a lot of parents will have me work with their kids directly just for that reason. I mean, and, and it's really the same, too, with educators in the school system. If they're working with kids every single day, they rather have someone else that. Uh, can can talk to them in a different way and I find with that kids will tend to ask more questions then because they're not seeing me every day right (laughs) right yeah. yeah. So let's also talk about, um, I want to jump back to a comment that you made about when you became pregnant with your daughter, like there was like this part of you that kind of feels like it came whole again. Yeah. Um, so how is this work important also with our spirituality and our soul? And maybe you can speak from a personal level or what is your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I live, really love the term arrows. I mean, arrows is really life force energy and and it's not just about sexuality. I think that's where a lot of people believe, oh, well, eros and eroticism, it's really just sexual. And it is, it's a big component, but it's really about this connection you write with spirit and, and the pleasure that we experience in life in general. So uh, how we connect with energy and nature and, and, you know, being surrounded by trees and water and, you know, the act of forest bathing and the sensation that we feel when we have certain uh, material or uh, natural products on our body. Uh, it's, you know, the food we eat. It's the rich conversations that we have with others. And, and all of that is, is activating that arrows in our body, which then of course, the, it's sort of the, you know, the icing on the cake is how it contributes to our whole sexuality as a being. Um, for, for me, that connection, first of all, when, you know, when I got pregnant, because I had such a severe eating disorder for significantly about 20 years of my life, uh, it was really the first time that I fully embraced my body. And, you know, like I was it like was luscious. It was delicious. It was, uh, I just felt so alive. I was, I was growing a being, but I was really growing myself. And I was experiencing this life force energy of my being, but also creating a new life. And uh, it has been just a mind blowing and profound experience. And 
So with also that connection sort of from that cyclic side, you know, for those with a uterus that menstruate, um, it is this whole connection with our seasons and, and, and the cycles of life. And, uh, and so, of course, we, we don't have to have a uterus to experience arrows. But for me, uh, as, as a woman that identifies as a woman, that was a pivotal connection for me. But the spirituality, you know, I think of orgasm, right? And and for some or many, orgasm can be an incredibly spiritual experience, right? It it can take, sometimes it's not, right? But some it can be. And it can take them, people, to these sort of new heights, these new levels where they feel absolutely in complete state of bliss and, and one and just one, one with love, one with everybody else. And uh, it's sort of difficult to describe that, but it's such a beautiful gift that we are all given. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So what is the title of your presentation for the Sacred Sexual Music Festival? What are you going to be presenting on? So I'm presenting two uh, topics. One is uh, called Waking Up the Hands. It's it's a beautiful uh, exercise that was taught originally by Dr. Betty Martin out of Seattle, um, who teaches the, the Wheel of Consent. And it, it's really about not only connection with a sensory experience, and the art of slowing down and being very present and mindful of our, with our body and with touch. But it's also about the relationship between direct and indirect pleasure and how we really hone into what we want and how to ask for what we want and also to receive in ways that aren't the shadow side, you know, that sort of non-consensual side, but really fully embracing this gift of, of you know, the May I, the, you know, acting for on what we really truly want for our body and our, our, you know, our hell yeses, and also recognizing the things that we have resistance to. So that's that's one of my talks, and it's really incorporating this waking up the hands piece. Uh, the other one is our connection to sacred blood, and it's uh, how those of us that bleed, that have a menstrual cycle, uh, the connection with the world, with nature, um, the cyclic component, and uh, it, and the gift we have with bleeding and not this whole shame and stigma that has been portrayed for a great number of years that it's something dirty that it's something taboo but it's literally a gift that's rich and full of life wow sounds awesome and magnificent so um before we kind of close out here i know that you also have some other workshops uh, that you are teaching out in canada where in canada are you exactly Yeah, so I'm just uh, in the Vancouver area in Western Canada. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So tell us a little bit of like, what are you doing out there? And what do you have going on? Um, And are you guys actually meeting in person? I mean, what's it like there with the whole COVID thing? Are you doing everything virtually still? Or do you have a place that people can come to in person? Yes, indeed. Uh, right now, everything is still virtual. I do have a private practice. Um, I, you know, put that on pause for in person. But all of my, all of my client sessions are virtual. Same with my workshops. So uh, it's uh, and I, you know, I, I'm very fortunate with the virtual platform, like the rest of us, that we can see people from all over the world. And uh, so I, you know, coming up uh, in in April, I will have a number of workshops coming up. One specifically for parents around body positivity and healthy sexuality 
quality for kids and how they incorporate it then into the home. Uh, and then I have another one uh, in respect to uh, boundaries and consent um, and how we weave that into everyday conversations and in our life as adults. Beautiful. Love it. And what's your website so people can go to that? Yeah, it's choicesforsexualhealth.com. Wonderful. I love the work that you're doing. And if you've been thinking about that podcast, I feel like that was more of a spirit nudge for me to say that out loud, saying, do it, do it, do it. Sometimes I can get messages for people. So I think that's a little, little nudge from spirit to say, start recording these workshops that you're doing, and maybe you'll use the audio for, uh, you know, a podcast to come. But I just, I love talking about this. Um, You know, I have so many parents that I see in my own private practice and my friends and everyone's going to know about you that has children. So um, thank you so much for being a guest on the Path Love and Podcast. And again, I'm telling you guys, you do not want to miss out on this amazing virtual festival that we're having, the Sacred Sexual Music Festival.com. You can get tickets. They are for sale now. Um, they're up there on the website. The festival is happening April 16th, 17th, and 18th. Uh, we're going to be there. We're going to be making sure everything runs smoothly on this virtual platform. Platform, but these presenters are just phenomenal. And, uh, and if you can't attend, then I want you to share it on your social media page. Um, let somebody know, one person know that this is happening. Uh, spread the word and uh, let's start talking about this stuff. So I'm really looking forward to, I have a backseat ticket because I get to see everything. So I am so excited to hear more in depth what you're going to be teaching us. And the other thing that I really love about this virtual workshop is that it's It's like none other than um, I've ever seen before, because it's not just a workshop where you're sitting and you're listening and you're studying and you're hearing lectures. I mean, this festival has a variety of everything, right? We have music, there's going to be dancing, there's going to be yoga, there's going to be some lecture. Um, And I think some of the um, presentations that are more lecture are also going to be very interactive and people can ask you questions. I mean, that's the other really cool thing about this conference Um, when you're attending it live you can ask the presenters uh, real live questions and they will give you the answers right there on the spot of their presentation. So uh, Corinne, really looking forward to it. Thank you for the work that you're doing and thank you for being a guest today. Thank you so much, Amy. I really appreciate it. You have a wonderful day. Thanks everyone so much for listening. Again, I just want to remind you, head on over to the Sacred Sexual Music Festival.com website to purchase your tickets for the Sacred Sexual Music Festival, or you can visit Productions.com to purchase those tickets. I also want to give you a free code. Uh, this code is actually going to be for Path 11 TV. If you are listening to this podcast, you can actually watch our podcast for free on Path 11 TV, and you can start a seven-day free trial. And if you subscribe, I'd like to give you the code PODCAST30. PODCAST is all in caps, and that will give you some money off for your membership. Path 11 TV has over 100 hours of video, and you can download the app on any device. So head on over to your app store and look for the purple Path 11 TV logo. It's beautiful. I love it. And I know you're going to love it too. All right. Thanks, everyone. Take care.